Welcome to the podcast, Babies Out. Now what? I'm Katha McMaster, a parent, grandmother, midwife, and partner to my husband, Ken. Through these short 10 to 15 minute podcasts, I'll have some very informative guests and we will share tips, information, resources, tools, and much more to help you, your partner, and family welcome your new little human. I hear from many people about their becoming a parent for the first time or adding to their family. There are joys, worries, opportunities, and challenges for certain. The content of these podcasts are not clinical in nature, though we may discuss normal physiological details related to pregnancy, postpartum, breastfeeding, and newborn behavior. Always consult your healthcare provider for assessment and advice if you have any concerns about yourself or your baby. Go to our website, www.babiesout.com, and download the journal with accompanying questions, discussion topics, resources, and tools for your use electronically or as a hard copy. The journal is low cost, but you will find value in it as you consider the topics we are covering. Use it as a guide with your partner. Some of you may wish to have one-on-one discussion time with me or one of my guests. There is a Work With Me tab for registration on the website, www.babiesout.com. Now join me and let's consider Babies Out, Now What? Welcome to Babies Out, Now What? Today I'm joined by my guest, Alicia Graham, fellow midwife and a friend of quite a number of years now, Alicia. Thank you for joining me today. I thought what we could talk about today is the question, how do you and your partner build a support team when you welcome your new baby? What are your suggestions to people about thinking about the postpartum time, this time of change, this time of adapting to not being pregnant, but being maybe a breastfeeding parent or a parent who has the demands of a newborn? What kind of questions do you you talk about or suggestions do you have for folks? I always suggest to people that the postpartum period is probably the more important thing to really prepare for and have a plan for and have support for versus labor and delivery, which is what everybody thinks about and tries to plan for. You have your birth plan, you have who's going to be with you in labor, and you spend so much time thinking about that. And then sometimes you're not thinking about what your life is actually going to be like for months after that one day (laughs) that is kind of unpredictable. So just making sure that people have a plan at all. I don't think it's actually very common in our culture to really prepare well for that. I think that's a good point too. Yes, this is a cultural thing. I think you look at some of the cultures I've worked with the South Asian culture. They're very much about supporting people very well for the first four to six weeks or Mennonite or an Amish culture. You actually get a helper to come along for six weeks. So you take care of your baby and yourself and somebody else takes care of all your household and which is a really neat concept. And maybe we need to learn a little bit. (laughs) But that does lead to the question about what kind of supports do you need? And what's realistic for you and your partner? I think sometimes people have expectations of their partner that they're going to be able to support them 24 seven. And this is all we need, except your partner is going to be going through adjustments too. They're going to be fatigued from maybe having a couple days of labor. They're going to be fatigued like you are 
as you're getting up every couple of hours to feed this baby, to change this baby, to rock this baby, and all the intensity of being a new parent and that adjustment, your partner may have to go back to work. So how much support can you count on from your partner? And then where do you go from there? How much support you can count on from your partner, that's going to be different for everyone because some people have those partners that are a little bit better at anticipating needs or, you know, researching newborn care ahead of time. Some people just are that way, but that's not really the norm. And the norm is usually that the partner who hasn't had the baby is kind of starting from square one and probably hasn't done the same amount of research and preparation as the person who's giving birth to the baby, usually. Yes, I think that's a fair assessment. (laughs) So you have to give them space to figure things out on their own and do things their own way because they're going to bring different experience and knowledge to parenting than you do. And they've had their own experiences of what does parenting look like in their family or with their friends. And that might be different. And then it's really important to not micromanage them and to just make sure that, you know, it's okay for them to do things differently. It's not okay for them to do something that's unsafe. That's when you can say something, but you do have to pick your battles. (laughs) That's a point I remember. (laughs) That's a point I remember clearly. I changed diapers a certain way and I swaddled our children a certain way. And then my husband would do it differently. It's like, what is that about? (laughs) and you got to think the baby doesn't really know if the diaper's on a little bit weird or a little loose or if they have a blowout you clean it up then you learn your lesson (laughs) very true (laughs) so what do you suggest people look at if they don't have family and friends close by and then we can also talk about you know when you are blessed with having family and friends close by, or maybe it's not such a blessing. And then how do you manage that piece? So let's say you're alone in a new city with your partner and you've had this baby. What are some of the resources you you think about or suggest to people? Well, some people have family travel and come stay with them to help or, or friends. You need to think about whether if that person's staying in your house and in your space, if that's actually somebody that you really want to be in your space, you know, if your parents aren't just down the street and can kind of pop in and then go back to their own houses, you need to think of the people in your life that will truly be there to support and encourage you because the postpartum period is such a vulnerable time, both physically and mentally. So you don't want anyone coming over that you think you have to host or clean up for and you shouldn't invite someone over in the early postpartum to meet the baby if it means that you're going to be sacrificing a nap. I do always tell my clients that. That's kind of a good like litmus test. If you're not comfortable enough to just go upstairs to your room and ignore them and let them do your dishes, they probably shouldn't be coming over. Oh, I like that point. (laughs) (laughs) I've recently been learning a lot about some of the supports that are just around in the community. Now we're based in Ontario, but I also want to speak a little bit to the U.S. We have a public health program where the public health nurse will call, will come in, will assist you with breastfeeding. There's also pregnancy support services in most towns and cities. And if you're rural, you might be able to connect via Zoom or on the internet. But they can be really helpful with talking you through and assisting with breastfeeding or anxiety or a little bit of postpartum depression and directing you at other resources. 
You might also think about hiring somebody. There are postpartum doulas. The person similar to who you may have hired to take you through your labor can also come in the postpartum and assist you with some of the early days childcare and infant care and learning around uh, how to just take care of this new little human that's in your life. Canada and the United States both have early years programs available, so you can just search that. We have a really great network of them in Ontario and across Canada in general, and also in the U.S., And look to other organizations like MOPS, Mothers of Preschoolers, and there's lots of groups like that around as well. If you're just looking at, oh, I have no one close by, but where do I go to? Yeah, a lot of religious communities are so, so helpful for reaching out and kind of building a circle of support around new parents. So if you are religious, that is definitely a good idea to check out and make those connections if you haven't already. And what about family and friends? You've already mentioned about having the comfort of them. You know, how comfortable are you to have them in your home? And then also, can they go away for a little bit when you need that time? (laughs) I think it's about striking that balance between protecting your space and having people that you're truly comfortable around, but also not pushing everybody away because it does still take a village and you do still need people to help you. So you do have to break down that barrier sometimes if you're somebody who just wants to do it all yourself. And people usually know that about themselves. They usually say like, I just, I feel like I have to do it all. And it's okay, well, you can't. So you need to find a way to delegate. Yeah, that's a good point. I love when people say, you know, I have so many sleepers and things from my shower that the next event that somebody's wanting to host, I'm going to ask them to do meals or ask them to put a little help list together. And somebody's going to come and do my laundry on Tuesday and somebody else is going to vacuum my house and someone else is going to come and do this piece. And that's really helpful when you have a group of family and friends, but you have to be able to voice that need or that desire as well for what you feel you might need or or want in the postpartum. And that can be really hard for some people. If you have a good group of co-workers, something that the midwives do for each other here, whenever someone has a baby is they go to the website meal train and they sign someone up on there. And that's a really good thing for if there's somebody that you wouldn't even want them coming in your house or seeing you, but you'd be okay with them dropping some food off on your porch. You just sign up for a day. It's all coordinated. You can put in if you have any dietary restrictions or anything like that, or any foods you don't like, or if you have kids, if there's anything to avoid. And then people know all your information. They make you something. They say what they're making. They drop it off. And you can put in a little instruction, just leave it on the porch, knock on the door. And then run away. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I like that idea. <laughs> there are a few services that have popped up too that are doing mom and baby baskets along with frozen meals and people can order those as gifts or you can order them yourself and say, I want that mom basket or that baby basket. And it also comes with some frozen meals for you to put aside for another day or when you feel like you really need that time. Remember with the doula option, even if you are not able to afford doula services in a lot of communities, there are doulas that sometimes do pro bono work for people who have below a certain household income. The doulas here where I work do provide a certain number of hours of care. And also if you do have a doula for support for labor and birth, sometimes they have built into their packages that you also get a certain amount of postpartum support too. So that's great because then it's someone you have that relationship with already prenatally. That is great. Good thing about doulas. (laughs) That's neat to know. 
I often talk about the acronym NEST. So for new parents to think about N-E-S-T, NEST is nutrition. So make sure that you are getting meals prepared ahead of time or asking people to assist with that if you have that available to you. Getting some exercise, even if it is just 10 minute walk outside, that can just really help revitalize you If that walk can be alone and you can leave your baby with your partner for a few minutes, that can be really a nice mental health break as well for you. The S being sleep. You want to be partnering with whoever your support is saying, okay, this baby's going to be up every two hours to feed. So I'll sleep for this two hours. Then you sleep the next two hours and then I'll sleep the next two hours. Then everyone's getting some rest and recovery and allowing them to be more available to each other as well as to the baby. And the T in nest is for some time alone and also time with your baby and time with your partner. So that it needs to be really a balancing act between those things. So nest is something that I do talk to clients about all the time to try and plan and build your nest at home so that you have that ready for the postpartum. That sleep is so important. And it makes me think about something that I think people sometimes run into often with first babies is sometimes they have an expectation that their partner may be waking up with them for every night feed. Sometimes babies are cluster feeding a lot. And this is particularly relevant for breastfeeding because you're the one that has to wake up with the baby. If you're breastfeeding, you have have no choice. The food is coming from you. So one of you has to be exhausted. So that's going to be you, the breastfeeding person, because you're going to get a ton of sleep at night. But if you're up in the night for feeds, you have to think about whether your partner really needs to wake up with you every time, or if it might actually be better to let them sleep and then have them take over at a different time. For example, babies usually get a little bit more chill in the morning. Sometimes that can start kind of early morning. Sometimes it's a little bit later, but they tend to not need to cluster feed during that time. It's pretty unusual for a baby to need mom to be right there all the time during that time of day. So maybe that's the time where you can get through that night because you know you're going to get a good stretch of sleep in the morning and your partner's going to take over that shift. Maybe you have time to take a shower during that time, but maybe that's how you arrange it instead of expecting they'll be just as exhausted as you because it's not really helpful to have two exhausted people. You could have one slightly less exhausted person. (laughs) And you mentioned having a shower. How important is that to not have it be 4.30 in the afternoon before you actually clean up, have a shower, change your clothes? It's really important to just be refreshed and get ready for the day. And whether you get that nice nap in the morning when your baby's a little bit more chill and then hop in the shower and be ready to go, you're going to feel a little bit different than if you don't shower for a day or two and (laughs) you're just feeling dragged out as well. Yeah. Some of my clients who have struggled with mental health postpartum, it makes such a difference if they've just changed their clothes for the day. Just get get out of your pajamas. It can still be getting out of your pajamas and putting sweatpants on. You don't have to be uncomfortable, but just making that step of just being like, it's a new day, refreshing yourself, cleaning up a little bit. It just makes such a difference. Let's just touch on that for a minute. So normal baby blues, I talk about day three postpartum, and you're going to be riding the hormone train from transitioning from having had a baby and being pregnant to a breastfeeding mom, or if you're not breastfeeding, just transitioning back into being a (laughs) non-pregnant person. And those hormones can really hit around day three, day four. So you may find you're 
happy one minute and you're in tears the next minute and there's no logic or reason to it other than your hormones are running off. It's normal to feel that up and down for the first seven to 10 days even. But after that time, if you are feeling really blue, really depressed, like you can't cope, things are really overwhelming, it is time to reach out to your midwife, to your physician, to your obstetrician and get some more support. There are some short-term medications you can use. There's counseling and support groups you can reach out to, and that can really help to improve your mental health during the postpartum time. Absolutely. You don't want to normalize it too much. It's really hard when people are in the fog of things postpartum. A lot of the time when people are struggling with mental health, they really don't realize it until months or sometimes years later, how bad things actually were. So it is important to check in. And because you were fine with maybe baby one and two doesn't mean baby three won't have a huge impact on your mental health or your health overall or the way you manage in the postpartum. So I think every birth does warrant taking some time to think about how are you going to build that support system for the postpartum days. Yeah. And the support system you need when you have other little ones at home is totally different than the support system you need when it's just you and your baby and your partner. So very true. Now, how do you suggest people cope with other children, especially if your partner's gone back to work and now you're breastfeeding and you have two other little ones at home, not necessarily going out the door to school? What are some of your suggestions from parents that are in those situations? Well, for my clients who have access to means for daycare and they're considering not having their kid go to daycare as frequently, I definitely tell them just send your kid to daycare. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Feel guilty because they're thinking about the fact that they're at home. And obviously some people just, it's not in the cards for them financially to have daycare during that time. And it is what it is. But if it's possible for you, don't guilt yourself for sending your toddler to daycare. It's mm -hmm. enough. It's already a full-time job to just take care of the newborn you have at home. So don't make it any harder for yourself. That's for mm -hmm. sure. I've also suggested to people that they look around at their friends, children about the same age, talk about swapping off. So maybe in the morning you take their two children and yours have someone to play with. And in the afternoon, they take the children and you keep your newborn, but at least you get a break from running after other little children. Exactly. And when you're breastfeeding or feeding the new baby, it's also a nice time to maybe have a special book or toy that just comes out for that time. I've had some, had some parents suggest that they get a doll and the other children breastfeed at the same time that they're breastfeeding. So they can make it a family affair. <laughs> so there's very all kinds of ways you can include your other children and help them be involved in the day-to-day -day routines. And certainly little ones are often very excited to run off and get a diaper or get a washcloth or get a change of clothes for the, the baby. Those are also thoughts to keep in mind too. Build some support within your family. It's also teaching the other children how to be helpful as well. Yeah, give them a job. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Alicia and I never have a problem filling time, and we're already getting close to our limit. And <laughs> we really don't. Our husbands know that we have no problem talking to each other for hours. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'd like to thank you today for joining me. We'll get together and do another chit chat on a different topic very soon. 
And if you'd like to look in the section of the podcast, you will find resources from the different uh, services we've mentioned today. There's also a diary that you can download and you can use it to do some of your planning for your postpartum period. And if you've listened to some of the other podcasts, you'll find that there are worksheets for each of those topics that we've talked about already. So thank you for joining me today, Alicia. We'll look forward to chatting again soon. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us on Babies Out. Now what? Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast below and check out the show notes. Let us know what questions and topics you're thinking about or what great ideas you have. We'd love to feature these on future podcasts. As a reminder, the contents of these podcasts are not meant for clinical advice, though we may discuss normal physiology and other details related to pregnancy, postpartum, breastfeeding, normal newborn behavior, and more. Always consult your healthcare provider for assessment and advice if you have any concerns about yourself or your baby. Visit our website at www.babiesout.com and download your personal journal. Please join me for the next episode of Babies Out, Now What? Music